This is the XC Podcast. My God, it's been a long time since we've done this. I am Michael Doyle, uh, and I'm joined, as always, as once upon a time, by Alex Sear in uh, on, a, on a tiny island in Canada. Alex, what's up, man? Hey, Michael. Not too much. It's nice to hear your voice. It's nice to hear a different voice, actually. Not but your I'm parents' good. voice. No, no, but I'm not complaining. I'm on the island. I'm living with my parents right now, and uh, it's been nice. It's been nice. It's it's like you're in high school all over again. Kinda, yeah, yeah. But I eat a whole lot more now. The grocery <laughs> the grocery bill is a lot higher. <laughs> Your poor parents and Andrew Crookshank, who is now moved into a cottage somewhere outside of Ottawa. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm actually. Um, we we have gone up to the cottage a few times, but. I'm uh, I'm a permanent resident now of our uh, our beautiful capital here in Ottawa, uh, bunking up with my partner's parents for a while. So I'm I'm with the in-laws. So oh. that's a, a new experience. We've been here for three months, and they don't want to kill me yet. So I figure I'm in I'm in their good books now. There's no going back. So have you like quietly had a wedding and like not told anybody about this? It sort of feels like if you if you were in some sort of like uh tenuous relationship at the beginning of the pandemic it your relationship is either over or it's like you're all in now yeah yeah this has definitely been the test i think we've <laughs> we've made it through there are a few rough patches but we're good yeah i'm i'm not <laughs> we're in it for the long haul now so there's no going back i yeah it'd be really interesting to just see some like long-term statistics about relationships uh due to the pandemic but so um let me explain to uh, listeners kind of what we're doing here. Um, before all this madness, we did our top five podcast where we would hit you every week with what we saw as kind of the five most interesting stories in the running world from that week. And, uh, we did a couple other things too. We are winners and loser pod- winners and losers podcast about major events that uh, pr- predominantly was me and John LaFranco. We're going to be continuing that very soon because there's an event coming up that we'll talk about an event. Oh God, an event. Um, and, but, but, uh, Alexander and I decided to kind of get the band back together again to, uh, dust off the microphones and to put some energy back into this and to commit to doing this regularly. And until there are a plethora of running events to talk about and running stories to talk about, which I'm sure will happen in the very near future, uh, we're going to kind of just have a conversation about the couple of key things that are going on right now. Uh, And we decided to kick this one off by dealing with obviously um, the major, some of the major issues looming in the running world. Um, We're going to talk about uh, obviously kind of how, what the new normal looks like, how we get back to running and racing. Um, if we can get back to it safely, uh, what major events are on the on the uh, horizon, if any, what major marathons are going to look like in the future, big track events, things like that. We're going to talk about kind of our ideas around that, maybe some like a little creativity, like, uh, like what's the fantasy version of these events. Um, and uh, we're, we're also, I mean, a lot of things have changed. Um, this 
our world has gone through a huge sea change um, in the last few months, but in particular in the last month, month with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and running has got a, a, a massive, massive whiteness problem. It's got a massive racial divide. Um, I was looking at a statistic in Canada, and I'm, the numbers are not very different in the U.S. either, where something like 90% of respondents to a Athletics Canada survey uh, indicated that their ethnicity was like Caucasian. And, you know, it's a running is a like a rich person, a white rich person sport. And that's a huge problem. And it's something that I think right off top of the bat, the three of us uh, need to address. We're three white dudes doing a, a podcast and a newsletter and other stuff in the near future. And uh, that is something that like in the, in the weeks and months coming ahead, we need to address and we will be addressing and we will be bringing in further voices. And it's not just bullshit tokenism. It's something that in two months, six months, a year from now, two years from now, hopefully if this still exists um, that we will be addressing and continuing to address. And if you're listening to this and uh, you can remember in like six months time, like call us on our shit. If you don't feel like there are diverse voices on our platform, um, because that is the problem. The problem is not right now where like, you know, brands and everybody else are running to make themselves look like they're on the right side of history and uh, saying all the right things. The, the problem is, is uh, the attitude and the unconscious bias in a, in a couple months and a couple years time. So um, that's like the you first know, thing we wanted to address right away. With uh, especially with yeah, with the the whole whiteness of running, I think in particular we want to touch on that because I think that is something in running in particular that's often overlooked because you you do look at um, the events. You look at like the hundred meter and the um, you know the ten thousand meter, and, and you see East Africans dominating the distance events, and then you see you know Caribbean and African Americans dominating the sprint events. So I think there's this misconception often that that running is a diverse sport um but but i what what people don't see is that there are expenses in that and that with the east africans it's it's sometimes kind of like a, a running mill you know they're they're not they're kind of trying to get out of the country a little bit and and i know someone like i mean i shouldn't maybe hold them to this but i believe sebco has said um running is is the easiest sport in the world all you need is is like running shoes and a, a pair of shorts or something and you can go out and do it but but I think we we definitely need to point out that it's it's never that simple. It's not. I mean, if you want to do it professionally, you can't just throw on a pair of running shoes and, and walk out the door. So um, it's definitely a stigma. I, I agree that we need to to face in the future. And and I think we should point out too that as you mentioned, Michael, we are three white guys who are looking for some guidance on this. So again, if there there are people out there who have opinions on it and, and stories, I, I we're one hundred percent open to that and and hearing that stuff and, and if they want to contribute, definitely. Yeah. I think one thing that we've always strived for and we want to continue striving for, and uh, we have an idea of how we want to strive for this. And I think that's going to be something we reveal in the future is, is open and good conversation 
And I think that's something that a lot of us need right now. So um, hopefully we can be a medium for that. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to what's in the future because I think we'll be able to facilitate that in, in a few fun ways. Yeah, like the dream of the XC, the kind of the uh, mission statement has been from the onset to tackle the subject matter that running media or whatever, whatever exists of running media in 2020 won't touch because brands don't like it because other advertisers don't like it because it's not positive. Um, and, but these are important subjects. So obviously like if there is a platform for these subjects to be, uh, dealt with head on in a unfiltered manner, it's definitely what we're doing. Uh, and yeah, I, I, to echo what Andrew was saying, uh, you know, if you have a point of view, an essay, an opinion, an experience, a story idea, a profile, uh, a grievance, uh, we, we are the platform for that. Talk to us, reach out to us, uh, and we will listen to you and we will amplify your voice. Um, so running, what's, what's running been like for you guys let's let's like talk a little bit about personal experience here um because i think i think in the last few months things have become so uh so personal for each of us because there are no events you can't get together you can't i mean you can't really you can't train with anybody you're on your own uh alex what's you're you're on a tiny a tiny island that's famous for uh being the fantastical home of Anna Green Gables, uh, what's what's the what's like the PEI fantasy like? I, I love PEI. I have like childhood memories of PEI. So like, what's what's running like in PEI? What's your day to day with running like now? Well, running on PEI is is nice and underrated because I think not many people have done it. PEI doesn't have many people, so naturally doesn't have many runners. So I think a lot of the trail system is kind of unknown. We have this one trail, the Confederation Trail, which goes from tip to tip of the island. It's 275 kilometers of just just flat dirt. And it's really good if you're someone who tends to get injured. So um, the training group scene isn't very big. You know, again, there aren't many of us, but I think that's the training group is kind of obsolete right now anyway. And as far as COVID goes, we've been COVID free since April 28th on the Island. So now we feel pretty comfortable meeting with, with a few friends today. I ran with a few friends in Charlottetown. So um, that's nice. And running for me, you know, I think I learned something in this whole COVID thing. Um, I used to think that I was unencumbered by what was going on around me and that I was very focused on, on my own running and doing what was working best for me. So that I was motivated intrinsically, let's say, but I've been injured for a really long time. And in this time I've gotten healthier than I have been in two years. And I think it's because there hasn't been the pressure of racing, which is something I thought I was impervious to. And now I'm thinking that that was a whole lot of bullshit. I, I think I used to be motivated by these races coming up and I would always overdo it and hurt myself. So in a sense, it's been good to slow things down so that I can take my time to get healthier. So right now I'm running about yeah, 60K a week, getting slightly fitter, but having fun getting fitter. So it's actually been kind of good. Andrew, you are now a resident of Ottawa. Um <laughs> 
a new city to you. Uh, are you like out exploring parts of, I've run, I've done a little bit of running in Ottawa. It's a, it's a pretty place to run. You can run along the canal and that sort of thing. Yeah. Are you, are you able to do that sort of thing? Like, are you, um, are you digging in deep into running or are you kind of letting off the gas? Um, well, we're picking it up actually. My, yeah, my partner's getting into running. So, so we've both been, we've been doing workouts and, and some runs. Um, I can't say I'm going all that fast, but yeah, it's been a good opportunity to get to know Ottawa a little better. The canal, Rideau Canal is definitely the hot spot. So we've actually kind of been avoiding it because it's hard to run there without kind of interacting with people, but there's a pond across the street and it has a, a 2k loop around it. So we've been doing a lot of workouts and stuff around there. Um, I have had this, this strange fantasy running through Ottawa though. Uh, maybe this will, this will be a good transition to later because Michael, you you might be in touch with Dylan Wikes uh, at some point soon, but I I know Dylan is based in Ottawa, and, and I have this weird fantasy that he'll just drive by me on the street and see me running, and say, "Hey, that kid looks pretty fast. I should recruit him to mile to marathon." But uh, <laughs> you know, you could just like email him. I could give you his. Email <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I want the recruitment. I, I want. Oh, him you want to be identified? Time, so. Yeah. <laughs> Like like we, fantasy, but it's it's to run into J Rock from the Trailer Park Boys. He's from Charlottetown. <laughs> That's, That's a very fun. different fantasy. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah. There's a, there's there's something about when you you identify as as a runner, you see another runner in the distance. You don't know them. You just see the body moving, and you and you you identify it as like, Oh, that person, like they know what they're doing. You know, they've been running a long time or they, they have a, a pretty specific stride or they're moving pretty quick. You know, like give me anybody like a, re- a recreational runner, uh, an elite level runner. You can always, almost always identify an elite level runner, even from quite far away just by their, you know, movement. But even like, a, you know, uh, some, you know, 50 year old, who's been running for a long time, who's, you know, not super fast, but is obviously kind of knows what they're doing with their body um, and has been running for a long time. You can kind of identify that. That's always kind of like a fun, weird thing where you're like, ah, that person, that person's been doing that for, for a while. Yeah. 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 Kind of like dogs. Cause you can like, when you see another runner you, and you know, they're a runner, you know, they've been doing that for a while. You're like, Oh, who's that? Who is it? Who is it? And you can usually tell by their stride and you want to bark at it. <laughs> so uh to the dylan wikes thing um for those who are listening who don't know who dylan wikes is he's a decorated canadian marathon runner one of the fastest canadian marathon runners of all time uh and uh i'm going to be chatting with him about the a very clever move which is the marathon in ottawa which is one of the big marathon weekends in, in, in Canada and a gold label, uh, I double or world athletics race. So an important race on the calendar. Um, they are, can't, they canceled this year. Of course, they're one of the first races to cancel to full out, like not postpone. They just canceled the event, which was interesting. Uh, Dylan Wikes was actually being brought in to oversee the elite race for their 10 K event, which was always kind of like, a like a, like a sexy, I think it was a Friday or Saturday night event, um, an evening race. And it was often 
the road 10K championships in this country. Uh, so it was pretty stacked event, brought in a lot of really talented East African and American runners as well. So it was always a very fast race. Um, anyway, they're, they are going ahead with a virtual 10K national championships on July 1st. So we'll talk about that a little bit. It's a good, clever, creative way of, of working around this and figuring out how to continue to do something um, instead of just full-on canceling everything. So uh, I'll, I'll be chatting with Dylan about that. I, I think I will crank out a, a short pod with Dylan about kind of how that came together and the ideas behind it and uh, maybe some of the like far-flung ideas that didn't end up happening or won't end up happening, but kind of how we're working our way towards figuring out how to do this. And we can talk about that in a bit. Um, so well, Michael, I, just to interject rumor is you're, um, you're training for it secretly on your, your 800 meter trail that you created. Ah, uh, yes. You could tell us that. I was hoping to avoid talking about myself. Yeah. How do we forget about that? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I've been, I've been in the middle of nowhere for a couple of months now. Um, I'm living with my in-laws as well, which has been good. And my wife, my wife and I both run and, uh, we, I just, we decided, uh, to build a small trail. So we have like bushwhacked our way through 800 meters and we've created an 800 meter loop, uh, where we are, um, because there wasn't one. So, we uh, destroyed some saplings and um, mowed down some um, some poison ivy and uh, uh, pissed off a mother duck uh, at one point, although everything was good. Ducklings exist now. I just saw them out the window a second ago in the lake. So, yeah, so, that, so I've got an 800-meter loop. I've got like a little weird play thing to to experiment with running wise always wanted to you know you go like west you go to like colorado or bc and they've got these incredible trails and this like whole ethos and this community that maintains them and builds new trails and i've run on a lot of those trails in my life and they're they're neat and amazing and some of the best running in the world and you know, I, I did my own tiny version of that. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. Where could Michael, his, his camera's not even on, so we have no clue. Where could Michael be that in, where could it be that there is no access to 800 meters, 800 natural meters of running? You're either in downtown, downtown Toronto, uh, if I had 800 meters of land in downtown Toronto to make a, a, a trail on, I sure as hell wouldn't be doing this podcast. Or maybe I would be doing this podcast with you guys. And that's just like, that's what I'd be doing with my life. It's like you hanging could, you out. Find it. I've lived there. Or you can't find 800 meters of running in downtown Toronto. No, not that you own yourself. That's for sure. Um, you know, there, there's actually an incredible amount of, of running space where I'm at. I'm like, I'm two hours north of the city. Uh, Kelly's parents have got live live out here. Um, and this is just on the property. And but there's I can run, I can run a long run. I can run twenty miles uh, on 
dirt roads or trails here. So there's a, there's a great deal of running I can do. It's just, we've had this idea of building a trail and building like an 800 meter trail so that I, I want to put a post at the start end of the trail. I want to mark times down. I want to like have my like trail, my 800 meter loop time, like my alt. And like, if people come to visit, I want to be able to like, you know, have a, a leaderboard, like a, like a, like a, a real version of the Strava uh, KOM board. So all of this is like exactly what Lazarus Lake, the Barkley marathon guy probably said 40 years ago when all the madness started. <laughs> and I was like, I just want to build a trail for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and then like fast forward 40 years, I'll become like a chain smoker. I'll have this weird beard I'll be this eccentric old dude <laughs> living out here in the middle of nowhere with his 800 meter loop. And people from all around the world will be like begging me to come and so they can run for three straight days on this 800 meter loop over and over again. Bring you some, yeah, some old socks and some smoked ham and herring and shit. <laughs> it's genius. Think about it. On that note, I think it's uh, Barkley. It's been canceled this year, right? Yeah, it was canceled. It wasn't supposed to be in the. It was supposed to be in April. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not happening. Pretty much every other race, but there was um, the backyard ultra. We wanted to talk about a bit about that. Yeah, so that that happened in April, and I the first one, and I thought that, and this is a good segue into talking about kind of the now and near future of of running events and. I thought like the the quarantine backyard ultra, which was this last person standing event, where basically you ran a I don't have the notes on in front of me right off the top of my head, but you ran you ran like you know six or seven k loop, and it was up to you to run it uh, exactly. You sketch out your own loop, or you run on a treadmill. And you have an hour to do that. And you do it over and over and over again every hour until there are, until there's one person left doing it. Um, pretty extraordinary event. The one in April was totally fascinating. And everyone had to, the whole thing about the virtual version was everyone had to sign into like uh, a Zoom call and they, they, there was a live stream for it. So you could like watch all these this grid of people all around the world. It was like over 2000 people doing the event all around the world, which would have made it one of the, if not the biggest, one of the biggest ultra races of the year on a normal year with normal races. So uh, I, I just thought it was a totally fascinating event. I was completely taken by it. I kept checking in over the course of the like four days or whatever it exists. It, exist, it happened. And uh, there's another one coming up in July, I believe. So I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to it in a weird way. I here's my hot take. Here's my like my big hot take for this pod is and I've I felt this way for a long time, but I'm gonna like I'm gonna put it in on I'm gonna put it on record, on a recording, that I although I think I wrote an op-ed about this once. Say it already, what's going on? <laughs> I think the I think like a hundred miler or like some form of ultra marathon should be in the Olympics. I think this is an Olympic level event. I think it's, I think it fits perfectly with the Olympic concept 
um, you know, challenging the the human body, spirit, and mind to the to its farthest reaches. Uh, I think it actually could be the first event in the Olympics that is um, that is not uh, uh, gender uh, divided as well. I think that. I just think there's a lot of potential for this. It could be a long player where it's, you know, a hundred miler takes the better part of a day to do. Put some drones in the air. The coverage could go back and forth. You could have a dedicated series of live streams. You just hundred milers are almost always on a relatively short loop of anywhere between a few miles and 20 miles uh, or, you know, and I, I just think it'd be totally a fascinating thing to kind of like take in, you know, like to, to experience. It's like a, like cricket. How they have got these like the test, like the cricket has these have these very long test matches that are like or very long matches that are uh, days. You know, I, I was completely captivated by it, and I'm convinced that it should be an, an Olympic sport. I mean, I had. Um Evan Dunphy, uh, Olympic race walker. When when I interviewed him, he he made a suggestion for for long distance events, which I, which I thought was actually quite a good idea, like to make them more interesting. Because I, I guess that's I mean, with non kind of runner fans, that that tends to be an issue of keeping keeping their attention captivated. But with strapping on like biometric stats to those the the people at the front. Um, so if the lead group, if you could see their heart rate the whole time, if you could see their splits per kilometer, that kind of stuff, like, I, I, I think that would be interesting. I'd, I'd be fascinated to know what like an ultra marathoners heart rate is throughout the entire thing and whether it dips or whether, you know, what happens, but I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah, I think so. I think I would too. The thing is like, there, there is a, there is an appeal for, the ultra races, right? Like Barkley, everyone knows about Barkley. Like when Barkley happens, a lot of people tune in. So I, I think there is an appetite for it, maybe more than say, okay, say you'd have someone run a hundred K on the road. So basically just a marathon times two. I don't think that that would be well received as much because it's too long, but the ultra is just, there's something different about it. And I think, see, Michael, when you first said that, I, I kind of disagree. Um, but the more I'm thinking about it, here's what I think I wouldn't like about it is there's kind of um, the narrative around ultra running is it's more participatory, which is which is fine. But that doesn't really jive with the Olympics. The Olympics is about performance. Yet, if this becomes an Olympic sport, it becomes a, a very much a performance based sport. Like, let's be honest, anyone who completes an ultra, it's it's an amazing feat, but it's not exactly always incredibly performance driven it's more so you know finish driven or it's not it's not as much time driven i feel i feel like alex is like backpedaling right now because you can just already feel the like fucking hate tweets that are going to come at him from ultra runners but like oh no (laughs) i'm 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 embracing them i'm embracing them but i think the thing is it would become good as quickly as it will become a totally performance-based thing no one wants to watch someone just finish an ultra it's impressive you but it's not impressive for other people watching you want to see someone finish an ultra fast and if we achieve that then i think it'd be an amazing olympics but not or or how about this like what if it's really really hard because that's the idea behind the 100 miler it's like it's really hard and when you throw in a uh technical difficulty i mean 
it's kind of why the marathon in the Olympics is compelling because there is the wild card element of the pure, of the distance itself being one of the great obstacles, right? Where, okay, on paper, you have your obvious favorites in a marathon, in any major marathon, even at like the very apex of the marathon, you've got your favorites. And it's very rare that someone like an Elliot Kipchoge comes along who's just like a set it and forget it type talent where you're just like, ah, whatever, like this guy's just going to beat everybody because he's unbeatable. Um, yeah. It typically throughout history uh, until Kipchoge came along in the last few years, it was the marathon was like very, a very volatile event, particularly in the Olympics where it, didn't have pacers and the courses were always a little bit weirder and the conditions were tough because it's typically in the summertime and for broadcast reasons, often at terrible times in the day and really hot usually. And so you wouldn't have these, you wouldn't, the, the, the winner would often be a bit of a surprise, right? So I think that the ultra kind of adds that, that surprise quality as well, which is interesting, which is compelling. You know, um, the ultra is very dramatic. It's a very dramatic event. It's about survival. It's an erase of pure attrition. It's the, it's like, take the kind of, I feel like we've sort of gotten past the attrition aspect of the marathon in the last few years where the code of the marathon has been cracked. Um, and the secrets behind how to race a marathon at a, a an aggressive fast level has been figured has been all kind of all but figured out or figured out for the most part. Whereas the ultra yeah. is still like a man. You you can't just you can't white knuckle your way through hundred miles. You just, you have to serve you have to survive it and dole out your effort. And it's like and it's you know, 50%, 70% of it is this mental battle as well. So, and I also think you're, you made an interesting point where it's, does this attract a higher caliber world-class group of athletes if it becomes an Olympic event? I was not expecting for us to talk about this. Just, yeah, no, we're, we're at nine minutes. We're at nine minutes for full disclosure for the Zoom. Uh, <laughs> but oh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're hitting on something though, because it, it, we we've hit the we've hit the what now stage of the marathon, and that's going to become obvious as soon as Kipchoge retires. And I mean, he's 64, so it's going to come soon. <laughs> so we <laughs> we're we're going to hit it. We're going to hit a, a bit of a block soon, I think, unless you know there's a youngster who can go faster. Like, and sure, maybe it's going to happen, but we're going to need a different stimulus now. Now that we've hit so much in the marathon. Maybe. And we're missing, we don't have cross country in the Olympics, right? We need to see a different kind of running. So cross country, winter Olympics, make it happen. That'd be sweet. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. mm. so, um, yeah. Andrew, let's, let's yeah, pivot. Let's pivot. Run. All the, uh, all the marathons have uh, essentially been canceled this year. Um, should we, we should maybe move on to our, our thoughts on, on what's going to happen with those races and, and maybe how we see the, the future of, of racing unrolling. Yeah, guys, let's do a poll here. Are, are any of the major marathons going to happen this fall? What's your Alex? You think it's going to happen? You think New York is in November? You think it's going to happen? 
not like it was supposed to happen. I think if anything happens, they give priority to the elites and change the format a bit. But we were talking before this, and you mentioned it, Michael, and it's true. Like, how is a city going to justify closing its its whole its whole system or at least some of its arteries, main arteries, for a day so that, you know, 40 or 50, I'm not sure how long the elite list is, but 40 or 50 people can run through the streets. Like, that's just a really small part of the equation. So I don't know. I, I kind of have trouble uh, seeing it happen, especially seeing that things are moving a bit slow generally in the world and running beyond running. I think I think that's been kind of a trend with COVID is, is things are going a bit slower than we thought they would be going. So I don't know. I, I can't see it. Not this year. So, Andrew, uh, Chicago – the last I checked, they, they'd sent out this kind of ambiguous email basically saying, we don't know what we're going to do if you want to get a refund. You know, like they're kind of like, tell us you don't want to run the event and we won't make, and we'll make sure that it doesn't happen. Um, and Berlin's not happening. Boston's not happening. Uh, New York, who knows? Uh, what do you think? Do you think any, do you think any of these races, are, do you think they're going to happen? Do you think they should happen? Uh, if they did happen, how could they happen safely? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pessimistic about this, but I also don't have the same goals as other people in the, the running community anymore. Like, like I kind of look at myself as, as washed up. So I don't, I don't have like a goal race. So I'm not, not like geared up for Boston this year. Cause I was, I qualified and was going to run it. So I could see how people would be kind of pissed if, if they had qualified for something and, and now it's gone canceled or virtual or, or whatnot. But I, in my opinion, it's just, it's not worth it. Like reading today, either today or yesterday in the paper that Beijing is starting to shut down flights and trains again, because they're worried about a, another outbreak and a second wave. And like, mm-hmm is it's not worth it to, to say screw it and gather like even if it's just elites gathering like whatever a couple hundred people and i mean it would be a good way for me to move up the world rankings because you just knock off all the top <laughs> guys with coronavirus and i could, could maybe make it somewhere but i my i don't know i, I i'm hopeful like it would be sweet if if racing returned in the fall but based on how things are going right now, like October, November still feels a little too early. I feel like it's going to be closer to December, January before we get things really kind of back on track. How the diamond league is just going on as if there was no virus at all. It looks like they canceled two of their, of their main events uh, in Rabat and in London later this summer, but they've already had one meet and the other 12 that they have on schedule are still set to go based on their website. The next one is on July 9th and it's supposed to go every odd couple weeks until October. You guys think they're going to like, they're going to retract that or that feels very world athletics-y where it's, they're living in this state of denial and this strange Monaco shaped bubble uh, where they're, they're operating the way they want to operate. I think it's tone deaf I think, I mean, obviously it's, it's region by region where you've got to evaluate this. If there's enough money to put on an event safely with no, uh, with no audience uh, and there's enough desire 
to have a broadcast and that sort of thing to dr- drive some revenue. I mean, all the power to you, Sebastian Coe and company, uh, go for it. And I, I mean, the sport needs it. The sport's in dire straits. It's not in a great spot. I think, as you touched upon earlier, uh, Alex, with the idea of shutting down, you know, 20, 26.2 miles of, of, of city streets in a major metropolitan area like New York or Chicago, just to have 40 or 50 or 60 elite distance athletes perform it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen for a lot of reasons. One is safety reason. Like you don't want to attract people onto the street to watch it. I think that's a stupid idea and a selfish idea, but also it's just not going to happen because they're let's be honest. Like there's just not the interest in running as a spectator sport right now to, to drive that. If this were the NFL, they'd be like, well, fuck this. We're closing down the entirety of New York city in November to have, mm-hmm people play a football game because we're doing it because we're the NFL and like everyone be like, yes, let's do this. Um, and there's yes. just not that, there's just not that, that, that hunger for the sport. Now yeah. there's an opportunity to change that in this moment. Ironically, there's like where there is a, um, an obstacle can be a way uh, as the saying goes. So, you have to see this moment as a creative moment, as an opportunity for, you know, it's, uh, it's, there's constraints and you have to function within the constraints and we have to stop lying to ourselves in the running world and embrace some creativity with it. Like races, like organizing races. Yeah. Organizing races. Like what, how are we going to, um, how are we going to get back to some semblance of this, happening again because this is not going to be there's not a um there's not a man behind the curtain who's just going to like yell into the megaphone and say now is the time where we can go back to being completely normal again um yeah it's going to be a gradual process so with that there will need to be uh stages of of getting back to some sense of functionality in every realm of life but you know, running being one of them. So what's stage one of events? I think the virtual event is a good, is a good idea. I kind of hated them before, but um, you kind of have to lean into it now, just like I hated video conferencing and now we're video conferencing. Um, you you got to do it. It's necessity, right? So, yeah, I think phase two. So, I think phase two is going to be very reliant on chip timing. I was just thinking about this the other day. And to me, it's, it's kind of just the the second obvious thing is, is you have races and this, you know, maybe this doesn't really apply for major marathons with thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, but maybe smaller scale races like university races and local road races and stuff like that can achieve some sort of, of staggered start and time with, with chips. And, you know, it's different and you may not quite have that feeling of a race where you're jostling in a pack, but you know, it's the next, next best thing, or it's, it's the next logical step after a virtual race and we have the technology, so we may as well use it. I got to thinking, I wonder what would have happened if COVID would have happened about 20 years ago when running was not in its boom and we would not have been able to connect in technology. I wonder if it just would have fallen by the wayside for a lot of people. But anyway, I don't know. I think I think we're going to see some some 
some chip races. And then I don't know. I think breaking two. You got to look back a few years, 2017, I believe it was, to Kipchoge's first sub two hour marathon attempt. And what, and then like that weird, screwy, like Zen meditation retreat that was the Nike two hour and 25 or whatever second commercial that was breaking to closed course, no fans, virtually no fans. And there was like 50 of us there or something like that. Um, And small flex for my mic. Yeah. You like that one? I just like slid that in. I was was like the cool kid got invited to a party. Oh, there was only 12 of us there. It's like Jimi Hendrix playing the star spangled banner and on that morning in in Woodstock. I was like, yeah, I was there. Um, And it was a, breathtaking mesmerizing kind of boring but totally fascinating event now a big part of that is obviously like nike's marketing machine and they're really good at that stuff but like i think that it's in a weird way like a prescient uh, template for these events for this next phase where okay you want to do something compelling you want to have an event you want to have an elite event it needs to have these very serious controlled restraints so imply them and then like apply them and then, you know, do your live stream, hype it up, find a closed course, find a closed loop. Don't make it a big, huge amorphous blob on a city map. Close down a couple of miles. You can close down a couple of miles. You can convince a city to get behind shutting down a couple of miles, create a course, create a concept behind that create some sort of sizzle in the case of Kipchoge, it was trying to break two hours, you know, in in the case of another race, it it could be something else and hype that up, make it safe so that the limited number of athletes that can, that can compete uh, feel good about it and that everyone feels good about it. And that public follow all of the public health guidelines go above and beyond so that you're way, you know, you're, you're way ahead of this and ahead of the criticism and you're doing right by everyone involved and make it a really interesting online spectator event. Like beat out the NBA and the NHL and baseball, the baseball's fucked. They don't know what they're doing right now, but like get ahead of all these team sports that can't figure out what they're doing and make a compelling event and make a sports event for people to watch and build a new audience and sell your sports, sell the good aspects of what you do to an audience. That's my, that's my like next stage idea is like get a small group in the U S Chicago, just fuck it. Cancel the event, find a two mile loop, do your marathon, bring in American athletes because you can't bring in people from outside of the country at this stage because of travel restrictions. Make it safe. Fashion it around a concept like going after the American record or whatever. Cause it's a freebie right now anyway, because these events don't count for qualifying for Olympics. No one can qualify for an Olympic event in the next few months anyway. So people have got the time on their hands and the, the window to do this. And do something creative. That's I, and then you're gonna you're gonna actually 
God forbid running ends up on like ESPN Sports Center. You know, like I mean, anyway, that's my idea. If we really wanted to get crazy with marketing, we could go back to uh, back to the days of when was it? When was Donovan Bailey was what nineties, eighties, nineties, dude, nineties. Oh man, you're showing your age. Yeah, uh, he yeah. won in uh, he won in he won in Atlanta, 92? right? Nice, nice, six. six. Um, uh, but like the the whole thing of wasn't it him who raced the horse? Was he the one? No, who raced the horse? no, that was Ben Johnson. That Ben Johnson raced the horse for money, and but Not Donovan Bailey, Donovan Bailey, and Michael Johnson raced a one hundred and fifty meter race at the Sky Dome in Toronto. Uh, okay, okay, I was definitely thinking of Ben Johnson versus the horse then if we went to get just like into this circus reality of just make track and feel as crazy as possible right now but um i i like this idea of the the kind of elites squaring off like the i mean the engelbertsons when with Jakob running 450 that was really compelling despite the fact that there was like no one else there essentially um i guess the only issue is like how do you keep and whether this is I mean, I guess maybe this is more of a concern for, for races, like big races that depend on entrance fees and, and brands and that kind of stuff. But how do you keep the masses kind of involved and compelled? How do you give them something to train for? So maybe that's where Alex's chip timing comes in or the, the staggered starts or, mm. or whatnot. Because the masses are going to be bigger. I've noticed this, and I don't know if it's just on PEI, but a lot more people are running right now. A lot more people no, are running. It's, it's everywhere. It's like a big, it's a yeah. thing. It's a thing. It's oh like a mini God. running boom has happened. I feel cool. Like the last few months I felt really cool. Like people reach out to me, ask me about running stuff. Like it's, I've never, I've never felt like I was the center of attention. It's like I'm a hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I think that there's like a real opportunity here. There's so many people that are that are new to running that have, you know, adopted this uh, as a part of their way of life, like so many other people have before them. And you know, the the pandemic, interestingly enough, it's what it started kind of formally in North America, really mid, like I think it was March 11th or 12th. That kind of really. They, they announced it as a formal pandemic. So that's, we're going on, we're over three months. Three months is the kind of like reasonable, known, uh, well-studied amount of time it takes to formulate a, ha- a habit, right? Like a, a good practice or a bad practice. And so I think there's probably a lot of people who are running is going to stick for them out of this, uh, which yeah. is really cool. And something that I think the running world, the running industry needs to lean into um, and create a place and, and a further identity for them uh, coming out of this. So yeah, yeah, I I think that another opinion I have about this is that I think that virtual races should happen at the same time. Cause I think that like it should happen like, okay, so if New York is going to do a virtual New York city marathon, and they're going to cancel their formal event. I think the New York City Marathon still needs to happen on November whatever, the first Sunday in November at 9 whatever a.m. Eastern time. That's when the gun goes off. If you're running the New York City Marathon, you're running the New York City Marathon with everybody else at that time. And I get it. 
if you're in Italy or if you're in China or wherever, it, that's going to be kind of a messed up experience because of the time difference. But, and I think maybe like secondarily, there should be like a window of a few days or whatever so that you can finish it. If you can't, can't possibly do it in that time, you can like enter a time. But I think there should be a real compelling reason for people to all do this together. And I think it will create that event-like experience. I don't know. I, I just, there's something really important about either be it in, in real life or virtually like feeling like you're getting out there and you're lining up and running with other people. Oh, I did as an example, I did a virtual event uh, a few weeks ago. I did the virtual Cabot trail relay, which is my favorite event in the world is this weird relay that happens in a far flung corner of Nova Scotia in Canada and on an island called Cape Breton that um, it's a crazy 24 hour relay. It's almost three, it's about 300 kilometers around very, very mountainous terrain. And I love it. You run in the middle of the night and whatever. And I participated and I did a, and I did a leg of the race. It was like 14 K that I ran out on this dirt road with a headlamp I saw a wolf. It was not good, but it was 14 amazing kilometers at like 10 something at night. It was awesome. And they stuck to the program where they're like, you have to run the event at this time. You had to check in on zoom before and after and submit your time via your watch to legitimize it. And it was cool. And I loved it. And if it were just this, you know, do as you please event where you had to, put in a time over the course of one week or one month or whatever, it just wouldn't have had the same uh, experience element to it. And it really felt like I was a part of something, which was cool. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think that'll work for it too, because right now people do feel the, they crave that sense of community. So it, it may be easy to convince someone to get into some sort of virtual racing or not exactly the same racing because because people kind of crave it in a different sense. What do you guys think about, here's a crazy idea. This is what I want to see. So London, London, probably not happening. London was supposed to be the like, the like all time race between Bekele and Kipchoge, right? You think, Kip, you think like Bekele just like, eating Doritos and Addis right now. He's just like, Oh, this isn't fucking happening. Like I'm just whatever. Yes. I'll have another, another McAllen 25 year old single malt. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that your mind goes straight to Bikili being the deviant and not Kipchoge. And I totally like, it's cause I know things, man. It's cause I know things. Oh yeah. You were, I heard you were breaking too. Were (laughs) you? <laughs> I, I know things about Bikile. He's he's apparently he's a freak of nature. He can like gain and lose weight in two weeks. See, that makes him more fun to follow. He's human. Kipchoge at some point, at some point, Kipchoge stopped being human. I can't like you can't re- you, you can relate to him at some point. You can't relate to him anymore. He's yeah. too good. He's he's too- like he's like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You would 
admire Jesus. You don't like particularly like really. Well, you guys don't see yourselves in. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um. <laughs> so I want to see like, I want I want to see, Bekele in Addis, in Kipchoge in Kenya in the mountains. I want to see them each fire up like zoom on their phones with their, with their agent or their coach. I want there to be an official start time. I want to see them like race each other virtually in their own environment. That's what I want to see and broadcast that, that shit. Cool. And I will fucking drink that up. I will watch that for two hours straight and be just, I'll love every minute of it. We will like, we'll do like a live podcast if that happens, we'll we'll do a simulcast of that where we just shit talk that for two hours. Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be really awesome. I'd be in. Could they have pacers? They each like hire their group of pacers that they're already training with. Oh, they each bring in their gang because like each guy trains with a ton of guys. So uh, yeah, yeah. Why not? I don't know. Yeah, sure. But I'd prefer to just see them each like solo hammering it out. But yeah. Anyway. Oh, that- Pretty cool. Let's make it happen. Let's make it let's make it happen. I'll we'll make some we'll make some calls. Um Michael Pixel Kip there. You know, you know Kipchoge. There you go. Kip. I'm I'm pals with Kipchoge. I'll I'll just shoot him a, a D I'll slide into his DMs. Um they're both they're both uh well, they're both agented by the sort of the same comp well, they're both involved with the same company within and running. So um it's in their best interest to do that. So anyway, uh, let's wrap this up. We've we've chatted for uh, for long enough, I think, for this round. I think we can say that we're gonna we're gonna do this weekly. We're gonna commit to a weekly thing, so you can hear our lovely voices on a weekly basis and our points of view on what the heck is going on in this uh, bizarre time. Um, mm. We've got not to like tease too much, but we've got some exciting things on the forefront. We've been busy. We've not been. Because we have been silent, it does not mean we have been uh, lazy. We've been diligently at work preparing something special and new for the running community and um, a new kind of component for the XC. I'm excited about it. I can't say, we can't say more than that. We shouldn't say more than that now. People can guess. Best guess. Get surprised, pride. They get to do a virtual run. Yes, we can. <laughs> best best guess at what it is we've got in store for them uh, can go out and run five kilometers and tell us how fast how fast they did it in, <laughs> or not. All right, guys, uh, let's wrap that up. Uh, this up. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for putting in the time to chat. It was a pleasure as always. Um, Alex, enjoy being the big fish in the little pond that is Prince Edward Island. Thank you. I will keep doing that. And uh, <laughs> Andrew, um, keep avoiding all of the busy arteries of the great uh, of of Canada's uh, capital city. I am very good at that. Yeah. And I will continue running 800 meters in a loop in the middle of the wilderness. <laughs> All right, guys. Don't thanks. get lost. Take care. Okay. And thank you.